It's an epic day. It's an epic day. It's going to be an epic show. Uh, it's just Ramon and I. But uh, trust me, I think uh, you'll get fair entertainment out of this episode. It's, it's not a, a whatever you call it. I think it's a glorious day. It's one of the best days in many a year for for a number of reasons. Firstly, local and international. Okay, okay. so just to, to tell you, you're going to be hearing this uh, next week, Tuesday. Uh, I don't know what's at the 27th, somewhere around there. 28th, whatever it is. Um, it is, we're recording on Brexit Day. It's Friday. Uh, it's Friday, and um, well, if you believe the left, the UK is currently sinking into the ocean. Um, people are, are drowning, of course, immigrants first, because, you know, that's what the right would do to the immigrants, just drown them, you know, as, it, as the whole island sinks like the Titanic. Well, if you want to use a, a Game of Thrones reference, um, Great Britain is Winterfell after Ned Stark gets his head chopped off. Ah, <laughs> oh, so many, so many metaphors we could use. Right, let's start off with the rant. Let's start off with the rant. All these lefties, all these people who love voting and love democracy and they just love people expressing their desire to do something, hate, hate the fact that people voted leave and now they are furious that people disagree with them and now all they're doing is saying that i can't believe the the brits are such racists and such bigots and whoever fucking whatever other swear word or insult well, democracy democracy sucks when it doesn't go your way yeah absolutely it, it is remarkable in a day and age of technology that a journalist of certain of a certain um uh, deborah petter for goodness sake Deborah Patter, um, yeah. She, what did she tweet? She said, I can't believe what Britain voted for, xenophobia well, and bigotry. Well, she's actually, she deleted it since, but, uh, you know, for posterity's sake, of course, uh, I, I saved it. Uh, um, Brexit is an incredibly sad victory for racists and bigots, and much that is vile in the world. Right, so wh- let's see what she says is vile. Uh, self-determination in, as a nation is vile. Uh, control of borders is vile. Control of economic policy is vile. Uh, what else? Standing um, up against regulation, unnecessary regulation about how you fish when you're allowed to do things like that right. is vile. That's absolutely vile. Um, and Deborah, I'll have you know that a lot of the people who voted leave in the UK were the immigrants themselves, Wally, because you know why? Because now Britain is going to close its borders or have very controlled immigration, so there's less competition amongst immigrants for jobs. So are they racist and bigots too, Deborah? Well, well and on top of that, a lot of the people uh, who are part of Labour, the poor working class, are actually responsible for the swing because the assumption was that the, the north of England – the working class, the sort of former coal miners that got walked over by uh, Thatcher. And, and don't get me wrong, I love Thatcher. Um, but but these are the guys who we expected to vote for Remain. They looked at it and said, no, nah, this is bullshit. We're leaving. 
who voted Remain in Britain? Look, it's all around London. So it's big business. It's big finance. It's big corporations. They voted Remain. Who else voted Scotland, like some funny island in the north no one gives a shit about? Uh, Wales voted out. Well, if, you in, if you've ever been to London, you know that being able to live in London means that you are amongst the richest people in the world, even as a middle-class person who can live in London. So, frankly... Uh, you know, uh, come on. Uh, you, you, basically, we've got the, the left backing the rich. Absolutely. You, you have the left backing a huge super state uh, filled with communists who want to, who hate democracy, who weren't elected to be in the European Commission in any way. Um, and now, somehow, if you're against that, you're racist and a bigot. I mean, what fucking planet are these people on? It is, it is, un- it blows my mind. It gets better. Um, I see uh, Dorothy Black uh, on Twitter also said, uh, "Why do stupid people get a vote? Why?" And then with a with a gif, you know, of, of someone of someone crying. Um, okay, uh, Dorothy, please do me a favor. Next time the elections don't go your way in South Africa, please say the same thing, and uh, please, we'll see please, you yeah. in the same place as Penny Sparrow. I'm sure. Please say the same thing when the ANC wins again. I would love to hear you vote, but I mean, because it's white people. Or you assume it's why people voting leave. Uh, it's, it's very politically correct. And, uh, it's the only, it's the last politically correct prejudice. The, in, the, oh, let me just regain my, my voice here. It's the last politically correct prejudice when people think it's why people are doing something and they can collectivize all of them. Uh, uh, Britain is a very multicultural society, just by the way. There's over a million Muslims, there's hundreds of thousands of Eastern Europeans, there's millions of Russians, there's, uh, it's, it's not white dominated anymore. You may be, maybe you're thinking about, um, Canada, where all the Remain people are going to immigrate to. Yeah, they all want to go. I saw a great, you, did you say that you, you want to go, the guy wants, guy wants to go to Canada, you say to him, why not Mexico or, yeah, or it's, where? It's multicultural, multi-diverse, uh, Pakistan. Why are you going to Canada? Ah, and then of course, of course, I've got, uh, I've got, uh, uh, something come into my timeline about anyone that feels like they have no true home. I feel that too. <laughs> I mean, where do you, <laughs> honestly, serious, grow the fuck up. It is a remarkable day because the, the very way that the left runs the discourse, um, it's, it's put right back into their face today. They all for democracy. They all want self-determination. They all want, who knows what, you know, protectionism. Transgender bathrooms. Yeah, as, I mean, and then the UK turns around and says, oh, you know what? Fuck you guys. We want a bit of autonomy for ourselves. No, you can't because you're racist. What? <laughs> So let's talk about some of the, the, the scaremongering. I know we, we last podcast, we said this, uh, we had the conversation, um, with Gareth von Onselin and we were saying, you know, he's kind of brought up some of the, the points that the Remain campaign had made. Um, let's be honest that, uh, up until pretty much last night when the, when the results started coming in, I was actually up. It was about 4 a.m. this morning. Uh, it was assumed that Remain would win. Uh, and actually a lot of the leave people, including Nigel Farage, had actually already conceded defeat, gone, oh, well, and you know how they conceded defeat? They hadn't gone, oh, I feel like I don't have a home anymore. And they hadn't gone, oh, I have to go live in Canada. And they hadn't said, this is the worst day in the history of Britain. No, they'd gone, look, we fought a good fight. Um, 
it didn't work out. Uh, we still disagree, obviously, but we will carry on and we will continue campaigning and we will try and do our best to, to, to move forward. Uh, that was their kind of position. I, I give it that it didn't last very long in terms of a concession and it wasn't a true concession. So maybe they would have been hysterical, but the hysterics are unbelievable. So the, the remain campaign says the economy is going to tank. Um, so of course we see, uh, everyone's favorite picture, uh, from the, the leave side at the moment is that picture of the, the guy from Sky. Um, standing in front of his big screen, it's like a, it's like a 300 inch plasma screen, and um, basically they've taken the entire um, pound exchange rate for only the last sort of six hours. Okay, um, if anyone here understands, and I'm sure our listeners are intelligent people, so you understand how a graph works, especially one that's basically been going for 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 several decades. Taking a couple of hours on that graph means bugger all but they take a couple of hours and of course they show the steady line um, with a few little uh, dips and troughs and then uh, it's just a straight down it's like a cliff Uh, and of course they go look the uh, the currency has tanked you know (laughs) i mean really yeah no but then there's a narrative it's the worst the pound has been since 1985 and then you actually look at the graph going back two years and it's actually doing better now than it was in february of 2016 yeah you idiots go back and look at the uh financial crisis in 2008 it was worse then too i mean you know the hysteria is unbelievable and also the fact that, that these people clearly understand nothing about economics and nothing about finance nothing about the markets uh, this is profit taking so if you're a, if you're a trader you know that the market is going to react negatively to this because you've been told i mean george soros says the market's going to react badly which means he's going to sell so chances are when big people who hold a lot are going to sell, the market will tank a little bit. So what you do is you sell, you wait to buy low, and you sell again when it goes back up. I mean, this is simple, simple, basic stuff. The, 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 the pound will be back to where it was in, in, in pretty short time. And, and bear in mind, short time is not six hours in currency sense, guys. Six hours uh, is – we're talking about six months, a year, two years, and that really in the context of things is meaningless. It will be back to its levels in, in, a, in a few weeks. I mean, come on. But let's talk about why we vote – well, we don't vote leave, but why are we on the leave side? I wish. So – so the reason we are is that um, well I'm an anarchist and, and Jonathan's a classic liberal apparently mild so, libertarian occasionally. So I mean if you if you actually understand what the EU is, yeah. um, it's it's basically a, like a huge super state. So you cede a bit of power to it in terms of of the justice system in some respects. I mean they got they got the Court of Human Rights. So for example, a lot of people in Britain who were Terrorists and were found guilty of being terrorists in the in the UK went to went to the EU Court of Human Rights and then they were overturned. You know, or or the sentence Charming. was reduced, or the sentence was no, you can't send him back to Jordan because he might face the well, death penalty. Well, as someone corrected us on Twitter, um, Joe Cox was uh, who was the MP who was murdered um, by the right wing nut job. Um, uh, she, uh, she was, her death was mourned by Hamas and we, we pointed out, you know, that awkward time when, when, um, uh, you know, a terrorist organization, uh, mourns your death. And of course, um, someone had to remind us that the EU doesn't consider Hamas a terrorist organization. 
Right. I mean, so that's so one, these are the kind of problems you have. So that's one reason. Another reason is that the, the people in the commission are unelected by by the people of Europe. So they're elected within the, the, the small confines yeah. of of the EU itself. Um, and they're unelected. And basically all they do is pass regulations about washing machines and pillowcases and fucking who knows what else. Everything uh, from farming to, to, yeah. to uh, production uh, to shipping. Uh, and regulation is, is generally not a good thing. It, 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 it stunts growth. Uh, in fact, the growth of the EU is, is, is poor. It's basically flat. Well, the growth has been flat for – it's actually decreased in the past 10 years. It's the only trading block in the world that has decreased. Every Asia, Africa, North America, and South America has grown dramatically in 10 years. The EU hasn't. Um, so that's another reason why we voted leave. Another reason why we voted leave is that it costs about, I think it was uh, 50 billion pounds uh, a year that the, that yeah, the UK had to give it's, to the EU. It's a big figure. It's, it's big money big. you could put elsewhere. I mean, it's 1% of GDP. Like, it's not a massive figure, but even so, um, it doesn't really matter. But more importantly, what was the, what was, Britain getting out of the EU And no one can actually answer that Because yes, 46% of the trade From Britain was with the EU But that's still The rest was not with the EU 54% right? therefore wasn't Right, and um, if you look at people Who are not within the EU I think who was in Norway and Switzerland Yeah, and, and actually I heard An incorrect statement made this morning Justice Malala actually said you know, Oh, well Switzerland will probably leave the EU now Oh, oh we heard that Well, um, yeah, sorry Justice yeah, they never, they never were part, part of the EU. EU. Um, the, the problem with the EU, like it was, it was created after World War II, and for that time, it made sense. It was a trading block. They removed trade barriers between twenty-five states. Well, now it's twenty-five states in Europe, and and they have like trade agreements with each other, and people are free to travel, travel and things like it that. It made a lot of sense in nineteen fifty, but now. If, you know, as I kept saying, if you want to trade with someone in, in China, you just do it. You don't need a trade agreement. And the EU doesn't have a trade agreement with China or America. And they do tons of trade with them. And they do tons of trade with them in any way. Uh, Switzerland does not have trade agreements with many people or many countries. And they are the greatest trading nation in Europe now. <laughs> right? So, I mean. Yeah, the evidence seems to be against this whole you have to be part of the EU to be successful. And this narrative about racist and, you know, racism, bigotry, self-determination is not racist or bigoted. Um, to assume that the only reason why people voted leave was that immigrants don't come in so, so, is, 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 uh, yeah. So let me confront that because I think, I think what a lot of people react to in that sense is that obviously there were many parties on the side of leave and the side of remain. So you had, uh, for example, uh, conservatives within the conservative, the Tory party, uh, people like Boris Johnson, who are um, saying, let's leave uh, very strongly. Uh, and you have David Cameron as the prime minister, really, because he had no choice, uh, saying, let's stay. Um, but then you have, you know, Labour saying, no, no, we must we must also stay. Uh, and then you have uh, UKIP, which is basically uh, essentially a far right party in, in the U in the UK, uh, you can argue about, it, but they're right, put it that way. Um, and 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 so what happens is all the different players who want to leave say things, and the guys who want to remain, for that matter, say things in different ways. So um, UKIP, who have always been quite um, heavy-handed. Uh, in terms of their marketing, will have their leader, who is Nigel Farage, who's who's gotten a lot of a lot of sort of negative press. Perhaps he deserves it. Um, 
had him standing in front of a poster of thousands of immigrants, uh, you know, with a, with, you know, with a, a tagline to the effect of breaking point. And obviously people see that and they lose their minds because it's xenophobic, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the problem I have is that if Nigel Farage says vote leave, and if someone else who's more moderate says vote leave, and even if someone on the left says vote leave, um, which there were, there were people who, who, who were, who were part of that. Um, yeah, a lot of labor voters voted leave. Yeah. So, so the, the problem is, is, is people need to stop equating, um, that if you, for example, voted leave, then you obviously agree with Nigel Farage, the way Nigel Farage presents the argument and everything Nigel Farage then stands for. Uh, you, you really need to understand that people can have different views and different approaches and different ways of seeing things, the same thing. You can have two opinions on the same freaking thing. They still want the same outcome. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, so, so Nigel Farage says, to, says oh, yeah, no, we're going to have lots of uh, refugees and they're going to come and basically, you know, they're going to take over. And, I mean, there was one ridiculous hashtag on Twitter, something like um, – Britannistan or something, you know, it's gonna it's gonna become like 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 uh, essentially, you know, fear of the brown people type of yeah. bullshit. Um, so that's that's coming from them, and 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 fine, you're perfectly fine to go. I think that's a lot of crap, but at the same time, another person might go. I think that long term, this will be better for trade, or this will be better for our own sovereignty. I mean, a lot of people voted on the sovereignty argument. They couldn't really care necessarily about the scaremongering about refugees that are going to be let in. And let me just say, it's not complete scaremongering because um, the EU sets the sort of numbers that the targets that the targets that that EU states have to let through their borders. So I want you to try put yourself in um, someone who wants to leave for that reason's shoes. We are in South Africa, and basically, let's say now the AU expands from just being this useless bunch of morons up up north who who kind of occasionally send our troops into dangerous war zones. Um, they turn around and go, right, we now uh, get to tell you what to do. And every year you are going to accept half a million migrants slash refugees, whatever you want to call them, from the Congo. Okay? You have to accept them. And South Africa looks at it and goes, listen, guys, it's a rough time. Budgets are tight. Um, you know, we're battling ourselves. We, we can't afford to um, accept them. And, and it's not just accept them, by the way. It's house them, feed them, um, provide them with health, etc. You can't just put, a, put them in a camp. Um, as we do at Lindela with, with, you know, refugees from Zimbabwe. Um, and, uh, and, and so imagine if the AU gets up and tells us to do that and we go, but we can't. And they go, it's not a choice. We're not asking you. We're telling you. And that, that is a fair reason for someone in Britain to turn around and go, I'm not doing this. Right. And, and a lot of people are anti-immigration due to economic reasons, right? The working class voted leave for, a particular reason. Immigrants are competition to them. Immigrants are competition to the jobs that they have. So it makes perfectly economically sound sense to vote leave if you're working class. Uh, you know, only the politicians and the lefties and people in corporations, like they're like, oh yeah, let, let's, let's bring in immigrants, but they don't have to suffer the consequences of it. Now, as an anarchist, you know, borders shouldn't exist, you know, in my opinion, but Immigration is going – I'm pro-immigration, by the way, but 
you have to understand that you can't have whoever you want, when you want, how you want. It's a, it's a process. And funny enough, a lot of the leave people are not anti-immigration. They just want it done in a proper way. Well, they want control over it and they want to, to have a due process to immigrants. They don't, they don't want just people rocking yeah. in. It's, it's, a, it's a funny not argument about where they the come immigrant from. thing. So the, the, one of the, the things about, oh no, let the immigrants in is, you know, they have these, um, really cool adverts where they'll have like a fireman. Um, you know, he's obviously doing good for his community, um, et cetera. And he goes, you know, I'm an immigrant. Um, and they'll have a nurse and they'll, you know, that type of thing. And just to show you that like immigrants are not these sort of people who just come in and I don't know, start smoking crack and shooting people. Uh, that is an illogical sort of view. Um, on the contrary, but, but, immigrants actually do quite well. Yeah, exactly. But the point is, is that that guy who's the fireman probably got in because he had those skills. Um, whereas everyone knows this, if you want to emigrate, and I'm sure some of you listening in this process, um, if you want to emigrate anywhere in the world, they want to know why should we take you? Um, and if you're not going to add value to them, well, they've got no reason to particularly take you. If you're arguing completely on humanitarian grounds, well, then each society, I agree, should probably provide some humanitarian relief relative to what they're able to do. And I think that's where the big argument comes in, is that the EU doesn't care what you're able to do. Arguably so. I mean, you know, as I said, Im- immigrants actually are, are very good for, an, for a country, but it, you cannot have just unmitigated, excuse me, immigration like that. But anyway, I mean, what else, what else should we vote? Leave. Oh, David Cameron resigned. <laughs> Did you see that? Good. <laughs> the, that, 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 that Pig fucking pan faced moron. In fairness, he never gone. fucked the pig. He just got a. He just got some head. I mean, same thing. <laughs> same thing. I'm not talking about his wife either. Um, but no, thank goodness he's gone because he's an awful person. He is. He is the quintessential Etonian debater who who happens to get into power and and has no idea what to do. He's awful in every single way and. Hopefully Boris Johnson takes over and then we have like a proper Donald Trump of England. Though to be fair, Boris Johnson looks like Donald Trump, but he's actually a very, very intelligent chap. Um and I mean he's he's been mayor, yeah, I mean, mayor I, of London twice. He's not as stupid as Donald who somehow managed to beat sixteen other people to the nomination for president. Right. <laughs> so I mean, I think it's a great time to be English. I'm not English, I'm French, so I don't care too much about the English. But I do think it's an important it's important to, to note that the media and polling companies and big corporations and you know, vested interests have all been wrong. The ordinary working class man on the street said, we're tired of this shit. We want out. And yeah. they won. I think that's a very important democratic principle, mm. even though and, I'm not a Democrat. <laughs> and uh, we, uh, one of our former guests, uh, Chris Hart, tweeted, uh, market reaction to Brexit is like the overdependent battered wife who just, who's just broken free and is now wondering about for food, clothing, and shelter. I think, uh, I think that's quite astute. Um, no, that's what it is. It, it's independence. It's, it's, it's sovereignty. And you – I mean, yeah. You know, and that's a good thing. That's all I'm going to say. All right. So that's our <laughs> that's our Brexit rant. Um, I think you know today there's been some big South African news as well. Uh, we've got uh, the appeal from our president, um, that moron. About the spy tapes, he lost. I mean, what's new? Do we really need to go into it? Yeah. Well, I, the the, <laughs> the question is now what happens because. Basically, he has lived by the principle of 
um, keep things in the courts as long as possible, but like not actually me in court, rather the, the sort of procedural stuff in court uh, as long as possible. And eventually it'll either go away or it'll be so long until I have to actually face it that, you know, just prolong, prolong it forever. Um, he, so he, he assumptively has lost that ability. Uh, the NPA will have to make a decision. Yeah. And they can't be seen to be biased, even though I think the appeal itself was biased. Because a case on the very same set of facts was presented a few years back. Yeah. And the SEA did say, no, this is bullshit. You know, appealed the night. So, I mean, they went into it knowing they would lose. But obviously it's just a delay tactic until August. Um, but anyway, I mean, Zuma's boring. All right, fine. As Gareth Van Osselen uh, said, yeah. which is very astute of him, Zuma is not complicated. He says what he says and he means it. And it made, it makes a lot of sense to me. So let's talk about, let's talk about Penny Sparrow. I want to talk about this, right? All right. So people obviously looked at us and said, Hey, the funding model works. Let's do it for Penny Sparrow. Uh, and fuck all was paid. Not nothing. Zero, zero cents. Zero they shut cents. down the campaign. Zero cents. So, so what does this mean? Okay. Let, let's take the narrative of the regressives. Um, we live in a highly racist society, you know, uh, white privilege, et cetera, et cetera. Not one person. Paid into Penny Sparrow's legal fees fundraiser, not one. What does that say about your narrative? Yeah, all those races, where were they suddenly? Yeah, did, what? They, did they not see it? Did they just ignore it? Did they not want to out themselves as racist, even though you claim that they are permanently racist all the time? But I think it's an important question here. I mean, the ramifications are that people saw what Penny Sparrow did and said, yeah, she's a bit of a, she's, she's, it's a bit shit what she's doing. She's racist. I'm not helping her. The narrative of the racist society, it's a bit broken, you know, after this, because no one supported her whatsoever. Not, not one person yeah. put a rand in. I do think though, an important conversation, which we were having off air before we started is something about polls. So we have, we have relied relatively heavily on polling data, which shows the sort of, uh, problem of racism not to be nearly as big as it's made out to be by the race baiters and you know who those people are um, and I just want to point out and I, I've said it on Twitter polling keeps getting it wrong I did raise this uh, with one of our other guests as well, well Gareth I, I think it was with week. Gareth and I think it might have even been with Leon Lowe as well um, is that polling seems to be getting it wrong a lot lately. I'm not sure if it's because it's being manipulated, if uh, it's because it's often mainstream media polling and they want us to believe a certain thing. No, but it could be the methodology of the poll itself. Yeah, yeah absolutely. People, so, read, people read a question and are actually unsure what the question means, so they just yeah, take so, what makes so, sense. So there could there's lots of potential issues. So I think we just need to point something out because um, they were wrong about the UK, ref, uh, the UK um, election that got uh, Cameron into power. Um, by a landslide effect, the yeah, second one. For the second one, this, yeah. uh, this one a year and a half, two years ago. Um, so that 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 they were compl- and they were far wrong about it. They said it was too close to call, and Labour got annihilated. Um, they were wrong about Donald Trump. They said uh, his campaign would last a month to two months. Then when he carried on going, and Jeb Bush um, uh, dropped out, they said no, no. But Ted Cruz will nail him. 
uh, and Marco Rubio. And then neither of those Oaks nailed him. And um, then they said, no, no, it's it's fine because um, our polling data shows that 65% chance that Hillary wins. And that has now been narrowed to about a 60-40 on some of the polls and even a 55-45 on others. Um, so they got that wrong and then they got the Brexit, the Brexit wrong. wrong. So I think it, it is important to, to note that, you know, polling – well, let, let, let's just qualify. So we use polling data because it's, it's a metric. It's a data point. You can't. It's something. You can't. You can't have scientific data on racism. Well, not that I know of. I haven't seen any. I've looked for it, but I can't see any. I, I, I do find some on cognitive biases, which may be racist, etc. But you can't have peer-reviewed data on on racism. So I mean, so our data that we use, we'll, we'll, as we always said, though, polling data is not the gold standard. And, and the data we use from the Institute of Race Relations may be, may be incorrect, but it has been replicated along other, along other polls in the same, in the same, um, <clears throat> yeah, so right. it has been replicated yeah. before. Mm. So what you're trying to say is that we still, racism could be a problem. We don't think it's a very important problem. We never denied that it existed. And in terms of, of public policy, we don't see it as being more important yeah, than I mean, economics if, if you think about it, or you, political policy you have, you in have, general. You have to rank things. You have to go, okay, um, there are many problems to deal with. What are the most important problems? And I still think even without the data, in a logical <coughs> sense, in terms of problems that uh, affect people's lives greatly uh, and make a significant difference, I'm not talking about their feelings. I'm talking about factually make a difference. Socioeconomic uh, outcomes. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I still don't, I still don't, even without the polling data, and, and as we say, the polling data is at least a data point in a, in a sort of area in which there is almost no data. Um, all right, let's, let's, let's get on to, uh, so we've spoken about Penny, let's leave Penny good, yeah. good, goodbye now. Um, good luck to her paying 150k. Uh, Chwane is burning. I mean, it was freaking hilarious because I, um, <laughs> I posted some pictures of, uh, Los Angeles, um, in, from the movie 2012, um, which is an apocalyptic film. And, uh, then I also posted <laughs> a picture of, uh, um, downtown New York, um, after the Avengers had had their way with it. Um, and, and I said, you know, this is what, uh, you know, Chwani looks like this morning. Uh, because to be honest, when Aki Anastasio goes up in the helicopter and posts those pictures of fires, I don't know what they're trying to do with that. Um, it, you know, it, it is clearly trying to sort of uh, push to an extent some sort of narrative of, oh, my God, look how hectic this is. You know, they didn't have to go hire a helicopter at 30,000 rand an hour. Um, but they did that because they know it's going to get them traction. Uh, people uh, got very cross with me about that. <laughs> Um, but some people are so too stupid to even pick it up. They just like, we're like, oh my God, I can't believe that's happening. Um, so yeah, we've got a situation in, in Shiny. It's still going on. I'm pretty sure by next Tuesday when you hear this, eh, maybe it'll have calmed down a bit. Um, but basically the ANC is fighting against themselves. Yeah. So what you're seeing is ANC tribalism at its worst. So, so they, they nominated Toko Diza. I think that's her name. Didiza, yeah. Didiza. Mm. So, so she's a Zulu woman from, from KwaZulu-Natal to be the next, um, mayor, right? But now the current mayor, Ramahopa, was not nominated and he seems to have accepted it, though I'm not too sure about the sincerity of that. Uh, he, he does seem to be quite a decent oak, actually. So it seems I, all right. I'll, Just, I'll give I mean, him, I don't I'll, trust... I'll, I'll, 
You don't trust politicians. No, he bankrupted Pretoria, but he seems all right in any other respects. But he gave them Wi-Fi. Oh, yeah, gave it doesn't Wi-Fi. matter if he bankrupted he gave them. them. Wi-Fi. I mean, come on. Much you know? easier to tweet. Um, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of priorities. Wi-Fi comes long before, like shelter and food. So now there are allegations that there were 12 people, 12 members of the ANC, who went to the, the Royal Classic Hotel or whatever, with the intention of disrupting Pretoria as much as possible until Toko Didiza is removed as the nomination and Ramahobo is put back. Mm. So this has nothing to do with, with, with service delivery or, or, or protests around that. This is all internal tribalism. And it's everything to do with the 32 billion rand Budget given to Pretoria every yeah. year, yeah. and where that goes if, to. If you know the mayor, you're going to be a, have a part of that pie. A slice of that pie is coming to you. And don't get me wrong, a lot of people make a living and eat. You know, and they make a living solely through, you know, a tender program from the city, or whatever. And that is fine. That's cronyism, but it's fine in my in my regard. However, these people, the same people, they stand to lose absolutely everything if a new mayor comes in. Because there will be new new people new rules. who are friends with her or whatever the case yeah. might be. So they will stand to lose their only source of income, I would assume. Yeah, Just because they changed mayor. Yeah. And now these, these are the same people who are looting and maybe not them themselves. But these are the ones causing the violence and the looting in Pretoria. Mm. Well, mob mentality. Once you get, you know, once there are 100 people on the street, it's a lot easier to get 1,000 people on the street yeah. burning stuff. I mean, when I first saw it, I thought they were, I thought someone had a, a, a racist Facebook post and everyone was, uh, you know, um, <laughs> getting violent over that. But yeah. then I realized, no, it's not actually. Um, but nevertheless, but it is remarkable that very little has been said about the tribalism. And people, Power FM, EWN, a lot of people went on the streets yeah. in these video clips. Yeah. A taxi driver says, of no, pe- I don't want this, I don't want the Zulu, excuse yeah. my language, I don't want the Zulu bitch as my mayor. She must go back to KZN. I want the Shangan yeah. to be mayor. The yeah. other guy says, I don't want the Zulu bitch either. She must go back. <laughs> I want the Shangan. I want Ramahopa. Now, this is deep-seated tribalism. Um, and somehow that's okay. Well, I mean, it's okay in the same week that uh, Gwede Mantashe refers to Musi Maimani as a garden boy. Well, what's the Mazizi Kodwa? Uh, apologies, apologies. I get uh, I get confused between those two. Yeah, so Mantashe is Secretary General. Yeah, Azizi Kodwa is the Secretary. Spokesman. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's another thing. Yes. Yeah, Musi Maimani Garden Boy. Yeah. Lovely. Lovely, yeah? So you've got a, a person who's in the strongest party in the country... He's a spokesman for the party, and he calls his opposition a garden boy. Now, that's if it was anybody else, absolutely anybody else, this would be national news for weeks. Yeah, well, I, I, I just remember to back to Diane Kola Barnard, uh, who reposted a uh, questionable, put it that way. I, I don't know that there was anything racist. I don't remember the post specifically. It was something about if we went back to the times of Favut, we'd be better off. Uh, I don't no, know if that PW Butter, yeah. or, or whatever, but I don't know if that classifies as racist. If you want to take it as racist, fine. Um, bottom line is it was uh, inappropriate. Certainly uh, not something that uh, you would like to see a member of parliament saying. Um, but what uh, what happened to? But what? Well, I mean, let's look at, let's look at due process. Yeah. So what so, happened to? So so I think so. Firstly, she never actually wrote that. She reposted it, realized what it was, and deleted it within, within about six hours. Um, but more importantly, what happened to her? Yeah, well, so she was taken through disciplinary process, well, removed fired, from, huh? removed from. They actually, I'm not sure what ended up happening with that because she did win her appeal. 
Um, but put it this way, even if she's still around, um, she's been put on the back benches, which in Parliament is like being in no man's land. Well, she was demoted. Yeah, and she was she was uh, very high up. In fact, she sat on the policing committees and the state security and all that kind of stuff. Um, so uh, the the double standards are just phenomenal. They are, they really are quite phenomenal. But uh, nothing nothing will happen with that. Oh, guys, we're it's around lunchtime, so if you hear some chewing noises, uh, it's uh, just some chicken going down. Yeah, first meal of the day. Deal with it. Um, right. So. Oh, just a small thing. There was an apartheid flag at Vitz a couple of weeks back. <laughs> I saw yeah. that. Fantastic. For a film shoot, it wasn't yeah. like it was. No one was trying to incite anything. They were they were re um, creating the Rand show from the sixties or the seventies. And as it happens, um, the Rand show actually used to be held on the Vitz um, well, grounds. Those were the vision. Um, that was the original venue of the Rand show. And <laughs> so they they do they do a film and they put up this stuff as part of the production design. Okay. I agree. Maybe there wasn't warning to say, listen, we're filming. There might be trigger warnings. Uh, oh, there's a, a, an apartheid flag. And people were upset. And I understand that they were upset. But then Vitz comes out and says, no, no, it's for a film shoot. And they're like, no, I don't care what it's for. It should never be allowed to be shown. I don't care what it's for. It should never, what? It's a film shoot. Like, well, the SRC lost their minds. The but, SRC wanted disciplinary action. They wanted all kinds of stuff to go down. But how are you supposed to show uh, an apartheid era Rand show without the apartheid flag? I, 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 I don't have answers for this shit. I mean, it, it's just unbelievable but, that people think like this. But how much of a victim are you that a piece of cloth with, with colors on it, like, you know, assassinates your mind and rationality? I mean, how much of, how, how pathetic are these people? Absolutely pathetic. I can't wait till they get to the corporate world. Can't wait. Or just the real world as a whole. Um, going back to leave, in fact, uh, and Brexit, uh, all the university towns voted overwhelmingly to stay in the EU, which I, which I find, <laughs> but, but like when I say overwhelmingly, I mean like in comparison to anywhere else, like it was 90-10 or 85-15, they voted to like stay. It just shows you how out of touch uh, in general, even with the people who want to stay, how out of touch um, universities are. Um, that was Oxford, Cambridge, those types of places. Yeah. Well, the establishment, right? The well, establishment. And also, also um, you know, the universities are, are heartlands of, of, of Marxist principles. So, Well, uh, ironically, the only place to get a job as a Marxist is in academia. That's why it's infested with it. <laughs> it's a good terminology, good terminology. All right. Let's uh, let's uh, move on to um, uh, the uh, the we didn't get downgraded to junk, so I just wanted to make a point about that because I'm getting really irritated with us celebrating mediocrity. Like we 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 don't get downgraded to junk, and everyone goes, "Oh, it's great, it's fantastic, well done, Previn, well done, you did such a good job, Previn, excellent, my man." For fuck's sake, people. Like being just above junk is not something to be happy about. And maybe you think Pravinder deserves it because, oh, well, you know, we, we could have been junk by now. And maybe we could have. But we used to be second from the top rating. We used to be one of the best places to put your money. We used to attract tons of foreign direct investment. And, and now we are like we're not attracting because because you're just above junk, people don't take the risk. Because when you are junk, then they have to either pull their money out or risk losing a lot of money. Um, talk about the EU. When we do eventually become junk, because it's 
in my opinion, a matter of time. It's not an, it's not an if, it's a when. The EU has regulations, because you love the EU, don't you? They have regulations that say you may not invest in a country that is junk status, which, by the way, Britain won't have to obey anymore. So the fact that Britain just Brexited may be a very good thing for South Africa because Germany is going to pull all their money out. Sweden's going to pull all their money out. All these countries that fund stuff, and there's tons in health, um, there's tons in economics, there's tons all over the place in community-type stuff. They are piling money in here. And the Netherlands pushes millions into South Africa. All that stuff as investment has to come out the minute we are junk. I'm just tired. I'm, it, it's, uh, the comment was uh, made by Gareth the other day, Cliff. Um, he said, you know, when Jacob Zuma goes, the bar is set so low that the next guy basically just has to count and we'll all be over the freaking moon. And, and this is true. We need to get out of this mentality. Stop accepting mediocre or less than excellent people. If they're not excellent or the result of something isn't excellent, don't celebrate it. Don't praise it. And when I, when I raise this on Twitter and I say, stop celebrating mediocrity, I get told, oh, don't be negative and all this other bullshit esoteric Don't, sh- don't be crap. negative like our credit rating. Yeah. Don't be negative like credit rating. Uh, but it's a soft bigotry of low expectations, right? Yeah. It's about, exactly. it's, it's people saying, um, uh, you know, we didn't expect you to do anything, but we were expected to be junk, but now we're not. So we have, we, we're going to praise you because we're not yeah. sure what you do, Pravin. I know you travel around London well, and well, spoke we, to we, lots we've of people. We've even had people say it on the show that ANC could have done a lot worse. That's, it, it's the same soft bigotry of low expectations. Why do we not hold the ANC government up to the same standards we would hold any because world we, government because to? Because apartheid, Jonathan. Yeah. Because yeah. apartheid. So same, because, same old shit. Because without being a dick about it, we, we weren't the only country to have oppression people, for fuck's sakes. We weren't the only country to have oppression. And a lot of other people who did not have the same, um, let me just rephrase that. A lot of countries who were backwaters, agrarian societies in the 60s turned around and are the world's superpowers. Singapore in 1964 was a fucking swamp, uh. right? And whatever his name is, uh, Lee Kin Yew, he was the prime minister for like 40 years. You know what? Dictator. He, Complete dictator. Well, he was voted in numerous times. <clears throat> Benevolent, Benevolent dictator. dictator. You know what happened? He was sick. You know what he did? He didn't go to America for medicine. He didn't go anywhere. He says, he went to the local hospital and he says, Jesus, this hospital is actually not doing too well. So what I'm going to do is to make everyone else and all the hospitals and give incentives to hospitals to come here and have the best medical care in the world. He thought he doesn't, you know, he didn't roll in Mugabe. He goes to Singapore every two years to check his, who knows what, yeah. his prostate. No, he says, my people deserve the, the care that I receive, mm. so I'm going to do it for them. Yeah. No, no, but yeah, we have, uh, oh, thank God we're not junk. Thanks, Praveen, because you didn't vote to, you know, um, to remove Zuma, but, you know, you, you did something. We don't know what, because the ANC doesn't tell you anything. Yeah. We don't know what you did. You spoke to some people in Britain, but, yeah, somehow we think that's, that's, normal yeah it's just it's just it's almost if you give us the worst case scenario as long as we don't get to that point we're happy um it's just unbelievable and let's get stay on the unbelievable side of things we send firefighters to canada canada has some of the worst wildfires they've had in decades um the fire was something like six thousand miles across 
just to give you a give you a sense of of I, I might be slightly off on that number, but to give you a sense of of that, um, you could fly from here to Cape Town and back and still not see the end of the fire. That that is the the sort of size we're talking about, and um, and we we send firefighters to help. Our firefighters rock up there. And they spend three or four days. Of course, it's big publicity. You all saw it. Even the Prime Minister of of, uh, of Canada, uh, that that left liberal wanker, Justin um, Trudeau. Yeah, uh, he he says thank you, and it's it's a big international thing. And it, it actually was a huge kudos to to South Africa, to our firefighters, to the, the sort of organisation working on fire that sent them. Four days in, they turn around and go, "No, we're not getting paid enough." So we're downing tools, and they start striking literally on the fire line. Yeah, but if you look at the actual actual reasons, so they, 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 it was sort of yeah. labour breaking. In yeah, a way. I don't agree though. I tell you why. So, so but were they offered? So the salary they were offered at the beginning mm-hmm. wasn't the same that they received at the end I, I, for work. I don't know, and I tell you why it doesn't matter to me. Oh, right. Okay. So, so I've seen different graphs which say basically what happened was is they went over. There was a salary being paid to them, and Different people were taking chunks of it as it went down until eventually the bit that they got was like relatively small in comparison to what they would have received if people didn't keep taking their piece. Here's the problem. It's a voluntary mission. Those guys volunteered to go on this. I can tell you this from uh, friends of mine who've gone on rescue missions to Japan after the tsunami and earthquake, guys who went to um, uh, Haiti after the earthquake there. They rescue missions. You volunteer to go on these missions. They're not about pay. And that's, that's what it is being about being a paramedic, being a firefighter, being in those industries. It's not about the money. Now, these guys were getting their South African salary. Their South African salary pays them to be firefighters on a daily basis. So if we had a wildfire in Cape Town, for example, they would be on the front lines earning their South African salary, not a cent more. They send them to Canada, still paying them the salary, and they're getting more. I don't care if it was $1 an hour more. That's what they're getting. So the fact that they, they striked and decided that it was unfair, maybe there were people taking, and maybe that is, in, in essence, somewhat unfair. But you were getting a double salary, basically. Stop freaking bitching and, like, be the hero you're meant to be. You're a firefighter, for God's sake. Like... It, this is this is part of the problem. I mean, we, we see it in nursing as well. Nursing has become a, a profession where um, there are still some great nurses, but a lot of nurses do it for the money. Um, and and nursing has always been this thing where you do it for the love, the passion, the care for the patient, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's gone. Yeah, but that's great. From that's from like the nineteen fifties. But there are the, the thing is, is that there are still people like that. I think medicine, no, sure. medicine is is the same. It's not to say you can't make money. It's not about that. Because you can do both. You you don't have to be a dick in making money. You can do both. But I just I, I, it was unbelievable to me that these these guys strike while there, and then they made made an international incident. I thought it was fantastic. Why? I it was it was it was it was batshit crazy insane. Um, Typically South Africa. Great trolling. I thought it was great. Like I don't give a shit either way. <laughs> uh, there's the anarchist. It was there's great. Anarchist. All right, let's talk. Let's talk terror. Let's talk terror. Uh, because we've had uh, we've had some. I'm, I'm trying to get a guest on the show, a foreign guest, to come come talk to us about terror. But um, before we talk about Orlando, um, there were actually at the beginning of the month, which is long forgotten, there were terror attacks in Tel Aviv. Um, CNN 
weren't sure whether they should call it a terror attack or not. Um, they they put in the the headline was inverted commas terror um, uh, terrorist uh, terror uh, terror suspects shot dead inverted commas terror suspects and then shot dead um, in Tel Aviv or something. Uh, they subsequently apologized, uh, and uh, it's just unbelievable that when when something uh, when something happens in that in that part of the world that it's it's kind of almost an acceptability thing, uh, and then of course. We get to Orlando, and I, I can go nuts with, with what happened and what is still going on around the Orlando shooting. No, well, let's start at the beginning, though. I mean, Orlando is, is as, a, as a tragedy, tragedy. I mean, it's, it's absolutely, I was taken aback at, at how someone could do this. Um, but, I mean, that aside, which is obvious, the, the amount of backpedaling and, and, um, the way people are trying to frame this as something that it isn't. Okay, so with, within 12 it's hours. Weird. Let's go, let's go through it. So within 12 hours of the attack, um, we have major senators in the United States. Um, pretty much every left media outlet, which is pretty much everyone except Fox, um, turning around and saying, this happened because of gun control. Now, now hold on a second. A guy walks into a gay nightclub which is fundamentally against his religious beliefs, shouts his God's name, phones 911 and tells him he's doing this in his God's name for an Islamic terrorist organization. And we turn around and go, the problem here is gun control. What the actual fuck? Well, as soon as you know that he got the guns legally... What's gun control got to do with it? He bought those guns legally with background checks. He was on the FBI watch list for years, and he still got guns. So t- tell me about your regulations that you want to, you know, so inputs. And now people are, are I, using I, them see, and are still getting guns. I don't even think we should get to that because the point is they're going to go. Oh no! Well, then all you know, AR-15s. Which, by the way, he didn't use an AR-15. He used no, a six. A six hour, yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't a sour, but. Um, I don't know if that's the second part of the company name or that's the normal handgun that they sell. But anyway, it was a SIG. And um, so it wasn't an AL-15, which was what the media just ran with. Because, you know, it's 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 America's favorite uh, automatic weapon, which it's also not an automatic weapon. Let's um, talk about the AL-15 for a while now. So a journalist for the New York Times, I believe, wanted to go and get one. And he was refused because he has a, a previous uh, conviction of domestic abuse of his wife. How fucking fantastic is that? Another journalist said he went to the shooting room with the AR-15 and it gave him PTSD. <laughs> it gave him PTSD. So people are sitting in video clips of seven-year-olds. An AR-15 is a – I think it's a two-two-three, right? It's, it's a very, very small caliber. I'll, I'll, I've, I thought it was a slight, slightly bigger, but anyway, carry on. But anyway, this guy says his ears were ringing and gave him PTSD and the smoke and he couldn't understand anything because he went to shooting range with the AR-15. But then you have clips of seven-year-olds firing off AR-15s every second day, right? Mm. I mean, what, what do these people think? What do these people think? I mean, it's, anyway, I mean, it's not about guns in any way. Yeah, so so the 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 point is is they turn around gun control. Let me just explain something to you: is that if you take away the guy's guns and he wants to hurt the people in the gay club, he still will find a way to hurt them. The best you can do is you can argue with me that he wouldn't have killed more than fifty people. 
he would have only killed 10 or 5 or 1. And if you're going to argue with me that it's better that he just kills 1 than 50, then you're the one who's losing that argument. You cannot argue that it's okay then because we, we ban guns, so it's okay for one person to die, not 50. It's the same as the Australia argument. So everyone comes after me. Yeah. Australia, Australia, <laughs> Australia banned guns. And then I even turn around and say they banned guns. The Australians get piff, pissed with me. They go, no, we didn't ban guns, whatever. Okay, let me tell you how difficult it is in Australia to get a gun. It's, it's, it's beyond tough. Basically, you have to prove that you need it, uh, either for work or um, for like hunting or something it's like, like that. Yeah, though. Yeah, I'm no, in no. the process it's, of getting it's, one. It's, so it's worse than here because really? uh, yeah, so um, you have to be retested repetitively, which you don't have to do here. Um, you have to be part. So, for example, if you're doing it for shooting um, as a sport, um, you have to show attendance at a certain number of competitions and things. So they're very strict in Australia. The, the ban, which isn't a ban, is essentially a ban. It makes it very difficult for the average person to own a weapon. To own a gun, in fact, you can't even own weapons. So you're not allowed to own knives either in Australia, um, like hunting knives and things. If the cops find you carrying them, they, they, they get upset with life and they can actually arrest you for that stuff. So <clears throat> everyone turns around and goes, oh, but Australia. Yes, Australia. Do, do you want to tell the stats of the, of the shooting? Do you remember? So the Port MacArthur shooting in so 1996. They, so they have the Port MacArthur shooting, which is which is what drives them to say, right, no more guns or very, very strict gun control. Um <laughs> That actually doesn't stop mass murder, though. It doesn't do anything to change mass murder. They now have people stabbing each other. No, but now, you have, kitchen but now you have to look at, 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 at the trend before and after. If you look at the trend before the Port MacArthur massacre, yeah. gun ownership was declining anyway. Yeah. That was the first massacre they've had, I think, in 40 years. And they took drastic action after that. And there hasn't been one since. Yes, that's called fucking correlation, right? Not causative. Because mm. Australians are not that violent unless it's with each other um, at after football games or something, right? Unless they drink. Ooh, I just pissed off the whole of Australia there. But well, anyway, they do actually beat the shit out of each other. And then after the Port, Port MacArthur massacre and, and the regulations around the, the, the guns, ownership declined. Fine. Now, they are at the same position in terms of gun ownership now in Australia as they were at the time of the Port MacArthur massacre. So the amount of guns are the same. Just because you, because, just because you have one whacked out weirdo who's yep. on antidepressants who yep. does something, it doesn't mean everyone with a gun does that. Absolutely. So let's go back to Orlando on the motives. I, I, I seriously am so over this hiding away from calling the problem what it is. There is, there is a radical Islam which causes people to do this. And the bottom line is, if you go into these texts, they tell these people who believe in these texts deeply to kill non-believers, to kill homosexuals. This is what the texts say. Stop not believing what these people tell you is their reason for killing people. If someone says to you, I'm killing because my God says what you are doing is wrong and therefore you must die and you are a non-believer and I must dominate the world and I'm, I come and I kill you, believe him. 
Stop making excuses. It's not gun control. He wasn't gay. The FBI have backtracked on all of that kind of stuff. And it looks like he even had help from his wife, at least support, emotional support. Yeah. And they lost her now. They don't know where she is. Um, but I mean, I, I do agree with you. I do think there can be more things than just, you know, radical Islam. Two months before the massacre, there was a well-known imam from Manchester in Orlando. Yeah. It was filmed. And he said, and the question from the audience was, what must be done about gays? He says, no, the, the Quran says you must kill them. Imagine anyone else said that in public. Anyone. Imagine a rabbi said it. Imagine a, a Christian, whatever, priest said it. Yeah. Imagine, imagine. And, okay, so that happened two months before in Orlando. I, I think it was at the mosque that he was attending, mm. Omar Martin mm. or not. But anyway, so we know very well Islam is not compatible with homosexuality. But then you have President Obama has a press conference just after the massacre and he says, then he blames people and guns. He refuses to say radical Islam. He refuses to say anything else other than guns. This is? Obama. Oh, no. Oh, but he did, he did come out. He did come out in this quite sort of very well-written speech as always with Obama. You know, great orator. Shitty president. Um, you know, going. So Hitler was a great orator. He said, he, yeah, he was. Uh, he, 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 he comes out and he goes, um, you know, whether I call it radical Islam or not, it doesn't make a difference because. And that's true. Because I don't, you see, I don't agree with I think you. That's true. So here's the thing. If you, if you have a problem, if the brakes on my car don't work and I take it to the mechanic and I know it's the brakes and I don't tell the mechanic it's the brakes, there's something wrong with my car. It's anywhere. Yeah, but religion, just but, find it. But, but consciousness is not mechanical. No, but so 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 here's the thing: is is you have to know what you're fighting. And I, I read a, a good article. I'll try to remember who it was from, um, which basically said it does matter that whether he calls it radical Islam or not, because the U.S. policy you can see it in their foreign policy and their domestic policy, um, the way they treat certain things means that they, they're not flagging radical Islam as an issue. So, for example, right. if radical Islam, if they accepted that this is something that causes a danger to our citizens, then the FBI would never have let a guy, questioned a guy and gone, okay, there's no problem. Because if that was a big flag for them, they would have said, okay, Omar Martin is an issue. We carry on following him. He doesn't get a gun, those types of things. Those things might actually have happened. In in terms of the foreign stuff, um, they don't see the, the, the ISIS issue as an Islamic issue, and they're losing the, the fight against it on the ground as a result of that. Uh, Putin gets it. I, I mean, I don't dig the guy, but there are some things Putin seems to understand better than Obama. And, and, and ISIS is one of them. Uh, you know, it's, it just, it does matter if you identify the problem. And as someone tried to argue with me on Twitter, a friend of mine, Muslim guy, um, you know, it's the minority and I don't want to do the not all Muslims thing. Yes, I've fucking course. No, but it, um, it is so obvious. It is so obvious that it's not all Muslims. I mean, come yeah. on. It's, it's as ignorant as saying all Muslims are terrorists. Yeah. But, but, but at the same time, guys, it's 1.6 billion people. You can check the Pew research. It's 1.6 billion people, of which close to 200 million are radicalized people. In other words, they have beliefs. In fact, close to a billion have beliefs that Sharia law should be the law of the world. Okay? Go, go look up what that means. Go look at what they do to people in countries like Saudi Arabia. It is heinous. So there are a lot of people 
who as part of that belief system have beliefs that are not consistent with Western values. You need to make a decision. You either support Western values or you don't. You can't have it both ways. And and that's uh, that's that's really my main point on that. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, I don't. I mean, they they believe these things, but you know, um, to to implement them, in, implement them is something else. But going back to to the shooter Omar Martin, he was on a list for a number of years, mm. and his company did not report him. His colleagues did not report him because you know, they were it, scared of being called Islamophobic. Now that is the question. That is the problem we need to to fight. That is the thing that needs to be fought. This this idea that uh, people self censor. Because they're afraid of being called offensive. And what happens if you self-censor? I'm not saying the shooting in, in Orlando was a manifestation of not being able to report him for, you know, for not, for fear of being offended. But it's a very, very big problem when people are unable to say, just look at the facts. Well, the guy. If we go back to the polls, point, maybe people ev- aren't even being honest in polls because they feel like, Maybe they'll be judged for their views, but then when they come to a, a ballot, they vote differently. They choose differently. Yeah, sure. But, I mean, it, it struck me as odd that – well, not odd. I mean, it's part of our times. But that, that people were scared of, of reporting him for the, for the fear of being called racist or, or offensive in any way. Yeah. That's when, you know, that's when the that's the left's wet dream, right? Yeah. Um. Right. I mean, so that's that. But now, running out of time. <laughs> yeah. Our next podcast, my friends, is with the legendary Gad father himself, Gad Sad. So, Gad is an evolutionary psychologist. So he takes Darwinian, uh, you know, Darwinian theory and applies that to consumer choices and the way we, you know, in marketing as well. So we will be on his show on the 29th, I believe. Yeah, it's uh, well. We're recording on the 29th. Um, you'll only see that on the on the fifth. Uh, well, I'm not really sure because he may release it sooner on, um, on YouTube. On, on YouTube, uh, the actual Renegade report that you download will probably only be on the fifth. If you do watch it on YouTube, please download the show as well. We still we still appreciate your your download numbers. Um, oh, and that's another thing. We we third at Cliff Central, and for some reason, the good stuff, which is like all. Good news stories number one. What? No, what? Yeah, look, we, love, we, love, we love you, Brent, but but really, we're coming but, for you. But really, we, we, yeah, we're, we're coming. Oh, for really, you. are coming for you. All right. So uh, here's your here's your mission. Um, should you choose to accept it, um, <laughs> uh, too corny for you. Yeah, it's Tom. Yeah, no. <laughs> so your mission: every uh, friend of yours who has an iPhone, you're going to open up their podcasts. You're going to search for Renegade Report, and you're going to subscribe. Um, because we need to get bigger. Uh, we very much believe that a lot of the guys that you want us to have on the show, uh, the guys who don't agree with us, who won't come on at the moment, we believe that the bigger we get, the more difficult it will be for them to say no. At the end of the day, they're a bunch of media whores. So the more people who download the show, the bigger we can get. We're hoping the bigger guests we can get and also the uh, big knobheads we can get. And... And then give you give you the show you want to hear. Yeah, we welcome all knobheads on the show. I mean, there's two already, myself and, and Jonathan. <laughs> so what's what's the, another three or four? So anyway, that's our solo show for the week. Um, we will see you next week. Yeah. Oh, with with Gad, with Gad. Yeah, yes, of course. So the next Gad. one, the next one's Gad. Yeah. Uh, you can like our Facebook page, uh, please. You can also uh, 
follow us on Twitter, uh, Renegade underscore reports. Uh, Ramon is at Roman Kabernak. I'm at Jonathan underscore wit. Uh, we love to receive mail. So Renegade report mailbox at gmail.com. Otherwise, obviously, you can tweet us, comment on the Facebook page. Uh, I don't know if you can get close enough, you can throw stones. And uh, if you've just finished listening to this, if you enjoyed it, give us five stars on uh, iTunes because we deserve it. And that's the end of the show. Cheers. Cliffcentral.com.